Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. I am so tired of the Astros cheating uh, still being a focal point of every national broadcast. But tonight took it to a completely new level. Jose Altuve, thank God it was a short inning in the top of the third, was mic'd up on the national broadcast. And he was fine, whatever. He's a scumbag just like the rest of them. And Astro fans, get out of my mention saying that it was proved that that Jose Altuve was not one of the cheaters. Jose Altuve hit that home run and told his teammates to not take his jersey off because he had a freaking wire and a buzzer underneath it. Well, he had a tattoo, a new tattoo. Yeah, 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 that tattoo that his wife hated, sure. When that inning was over, when the Astros came up to bat in the bottom of the third, Carl Ravitch went on this monologue asking fans to leave Jose Altuve alone. And there was a time in New York when – when the Astros were in town and the, the Yankees fans were so mean to him and they were saying all these mean things about him being a cheater and Carl Ravitch starting the, the campaign for Jose Altuve as baseball's nicest man. I am so tired of this bullshit where the national pundits are protecting the Astros for what? Like for what? Yeah, I'm I think tired of it. I think they're just trying to protect their game. You know, I mean, baseball are, baseball's already dying. You know, <laughs> there's really no justifying everybody involved in the Astros scandal because especially the way that they tried to oust themselves as not like just they were involved. You know, they were involved. So however you as an individual can uh understand and like how cheating makes you feel how the integrity of the game makes you feel is really how does cheating make you feel mike i want some emotion (laughs) from you on how cheating makes you feel well i i think going above and beyond like the whole trying to get a competitive advantage thing i totally respect like if you're on second base trying to steal signs and you pick them up and you relay them to the batter that's awesome or if you're like mixing sunscreen with rosin and you get a little bit more sticky on your fingers to get some spin whatever but having somebody in center field with a camera dedicated zoomed into the catcher's signs that 
that is absolutely disgracing the integrity of the game. So like on that sense, sure. But from ESPN sense, it's like, Hey man, we need you to watch our baseball games. <laughs> like we like the Astros, you know, they're really good. So pay attention to them again. Let's forget about all the nonsense. That brings me to the other incredibly frustrating moment of tonight's bullshit broadcast when Medjevic hit his first major league home run <laughs> and that dumbass kid with the mullet, Ryland, Riley, Kaylee, Tucker. You know his name. Was. That's the they, thing. They, they said his name. They gave him a full five minutes and the mic cut out like – what was it? Riley something? It doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it's some millennial Sorry. bullshit name. Like, oh my God, you spoiled, selfish little fuck. Wow. That's that kid's major league, his first major league home run. And this this guy is negotiating with a part-time clubhouse hand, seeing what he can get for that baseball. Give the baseball back and take what you get and don't ask for more. Well, Shane. Yeah, first career Major League Baseball home run, right? Okay. But also, first time a guy caught somebody else's first Major League home run. So, like, how often does that happen in your life? The guy who caught the ball. So, like, let's take advantage of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the fan. No. No. See, this is, is like, the same thing as the – the Tom Brady football where that that guy negotiated like crazy and got a Bitcoin out of it. That's – you know what that football means to Tom Brady? You know what that baseball means to Matajevich? But you know what signed jerseys and autographed memorabilia means to those who – you know? I mean – It means that that kid's never having sex. That's what it means. He's just – he's never going to have sex. He's going to have an autographed jersey from a baseball player. Oh, gosh. Okay, so he's going to – where's he going to put Justin Verlander's signed jersey? Like – you know, put that up and just, what do you you just get to look at it? You he has a driver, man. He can sell it if he wants. You know what I mean? This isn't like you put on Justin Verlander's signed jersey and you assume the powers of Justin Verlander. It's a freaking jersey, man. Well, <laughs> share the memory with the guy who just hit his first major league homework. You're, you're there with your father. You're there with your younger brother. Okay. You just caught this ball. How cool sure. is that? And now it's even more special that I get to give the ball back to the guy who hit the homer. However, when are you ever going to have the amount of leverage you do again? Right. Cause the kid, obviously he like, he wants his home run ball and you don't have to give it back. Yeah. I understand. What I'm saying is assuming leverage is wrong in the situation. Okay. This is not a situation where you should capitalize on leverage. This is a situation <laughs> where you should make the guy happy that just hit his first major league homer and then take whatever they offer you. Yeah. They come to you and say, Hey, what do you want from the ball? And you say, if this is me, whatever you, you planned on giving me, Give it to me. I just want to make sure he gets his ball back. That's well, how got, I would handle it. He got an interview on it, out of it on a national Gosh. television. So that's oh, a win for, for everybody, really. It's a win for, for us all. I want to beat him up. Okay, so I think it's it's considered a win to get out of this series not being swept and to at least put together a couple of decently competitive games. Now you've got three against the Toronto Blue Jays, the second or the second best team in the East, in my opinion, uh, regardless of what the standings say. Um but then after that, you get into July, and you got a couple against the a few against the Angels. But you get into July, you've got 19 straight against divisional opponents, and that's where the season is either won or lost. And those 19 games back to back to back to back to back to back against the Tigers, Royals, Twins, Guardians—that's where it is. But you still have to get out of this stretch against the Blue Jays with at least one, and then you get to lick your wounds against the Orioles this weekend, and then you have the the Angels. 
What do you expect from a Lance Lynn to Dylan Cease to Lucas Giolito three-game stretch against the Toronto Blue Jays? Boy, that's a great question. And you think I'm thinking ahead too with all those division games that this this could be the telling point of the season. Obviously, it leads into the deadline and all those things. But the White Sox to me aren't a World Series contender. I'm watching this White Sox team as if they're a, a middle of the road, very mediocre ball club trying to compete against teams they should beat and then ultimately losing. Like this has happened all season long. When you talk about like the strengths of the White Sox, it should be their lineup. But they get beat so often by good pitching. So, you know, if, if the Blue Jays can pitch it, the White Sox can't hang because that offense cannot keep up with the Blue Jays. And you're looking at at Baltimore. Look, Baltimore's been the laughing stock of the league for several years. And this even goes back to the past, the way the organization develops and runs their franchise. Right now, their lineup is pretty damn good. Like they have several prospects and names who – are not household, but you'll start to recognize them more and more as you pay attention to Major League Baseball, period. But looking ahead, I mean, you got to – look, Cleveland's not a pushover, period, especially the way they pitch. And the White Sox can't hit good pitching, like I said. I want to reiterate that. They can't hit good pitching. So this is going to be a tough stretch. In the immediate sense, I want to see progress from Lance Lynn. I got to see, you know, it's a start-by-start – evaluation of Lance Lynn and where he's at in his career at this point with the White Sox this season, because you miss all that time. Just get me to a point in August where you're back. Everything else in the meantime, just be competitive for me, stay healthy, get me through five, spell the bullpen, give us a chance to win. But by August, make sure that you're at your best because they're going to need them big time. What do you expect they added the deadline or get rid of or sell? I want them to get Tyler Malley of the Cincinnati Reds. I think he's a great fit. You get a 27-year-old right-hander. You look at his numbers, they're not eye-popping, but he's got a year and a half of control left. Exactly what the White Sox are looking for in terms of cost-controllable arm for what they're able to give up. And it's it's not easy to say goodbye to some of these top prospects because that is the future. Like You don't want to compromise the White Sox – competitive window now by sitting tight with your prospects but you also don't want to jeopardize your future so i'll be interested to see what the white Sox decide to do it'll be interesting when the team is fully healthy and i mean a yoan mancata fully back to and fully back eloy jimenez fully back who gets the majority of innings at third base left field right field and dh well you got to play mancata you got to play him as much as you can uh whether or not he struggles like that's just where the white Sox are he's a core piece do you slide uh, Berger over to second base then? Well, that's the thing is like with Jake Berger, you find him in the lineup as a DH or you have him start at third and give Moncada spells. That's the only way. And it also depends on the way Jake Berger's been hitting. Obviously, Berger's been a light in a dark tunnel this year for the White Sox offense. But, you know, how sustainable is that? And his defense, I, I don't trust him at second. Shane, I don't want Jake Berger at second base. Give me Danny okay. Mendick there or give me Yolbert Sanchez there. But don't think too hard about this. Don't make your lineup full of lefties who can't hit. Just put Jake Berger in the lineup against the righty. It's fine. You can do that. With Aloy, you start him in left because, ugh, I mean, if you DH him, you DH well, him. That's you great. Mean on Berger. You mean lefty on Berger? No, I, I, it doesn't matter. Like, if it's a righty or a lefty in the line, okay. uh, on the okay. mound, start Berger in the lineup, whether it's righty or lefty, because, okay. you know, he can hit and others can't. But Aloy's got to play every day. Andrew Vaughn has to play every day. White Sox will figure it out. Okay. How's your uh, cornhole league looking? 
I'll tell you what, we had four wins last week, which no was, way. Yeah. I'll tell you that I was involved in three of them. No, yeah, whatever. But I'm just saying. And uh, our record has improved to, let me do the math here. 22 and 99. <laughs> and we are seven weeks. Most, <laughs> I, the most flabbergasting thing about that league is not how bad you guys are. It's the fact that it's 27 weeks long. <laughs> that was the most heartbreaking radio segment I've ever listened to when you broke down for Campy and Dan Bernstein how bad your cornhole team is. Well, I appreciate the sympathy, but uh, we're yeah. getting better every week, and only way to go is up because there is literally nobody behind us in the standings. Sure, match by match. Mike Rankin, Future Sox, and at Rankin906 on Twitter. Thank you very much for filling in for Gabe Ramirez. Gabe will be back on Thursday where we will break down – the White Sox likely getting swept by the Blue Jays and approaching a weekend series against the Baltimore Orioles. If you like what you heard, remember to subscribe to the Southsider 670 podcast feed. Mike Rankin, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Shane. Good stuff. Talk, talk to you guys on Thursday.